0: Tales of hauntings, murder, and scary mysteries. Every week, Twisted 2's dives into a pair of uniquely terrifying true stories that are worthy of a more in-depth look. This week, we focus on the conspiracies surrounding one of the wealthiest families to have lived in America, and the strange cult leader in David Koresh. Get ready for Scary Mysteries, Twisted 2's. 1. John D. Rockefeller, Rockefeller Conspiracies Known as one of the more prominent of the Rockefellers and the primary founder of the businesses they ran, John D. Rockefeller was the son of William Rockefeller, Sr. Among his six children are John and William Rockefeller, Jr., who both became co-founders of what was one time America's largest oil company, Standard Oil. Together with his brother, John brought the Rockefellers immense wealth and was dubbed as the richest man in America at one point. Beyond becoming the first billionaire in the world, John was also known as being extremely ruthless. When they first started, Standard Oil was one of 27 refineries selling oil in Cleveland, but John soon devised a way for Standard Oil to eat up the competition. He forced and bribed railroads to give him kickbacks and rebates whenever any type of oil was shipped on their freights. This included his own and any competitors, so the more they shipped, the more money he made. Because of this, he managed to lower his prices considerably, running his competitors out of business. His reputation for being cunning only grew over time. By 1881, he nearly monopolized the petroleum industry in the United States. After that, Standard Oil then expanded all over the world. The company got so big an investigation by a Senate committee was launched about their shady business dealings. Eventually, they were ordered to break up the company, and it was divided into eight smaller ones. However, they eventually consolidated and are all the big names people today are more familiar with, ExxonMobil, Amoco, and Chevron. Soon, John turned his attention to philanthropy. He created various organizations like the National Education Administration and General Education Board. They funded Planned Parenthood, Population Council, and even created their own schools. They also built the World Trade Center buildings and donated the land to the United Nations. John had gotten so powerful that it said if he ran for the presidency and won, it would have been a demotion. It wasn't just John Rockefeller Sr. that made a name for himself. Soon his children would do the same. Winthrop Rockefeller was governor of Arkansas while Nelson Rockefeller was governor of New York and eventually became the vice president to Gerald Ford. Then there's David, who was a clear favorite from the onset. He was the one that flourished in running businesses, handling finances and philanthropy. He went on to become chairman of Chase Manhattan, the third largest financial bank in the world, and considered the most influential. Because of their strong power, it's no surprise John Sr. and the rest of his brood are hounded as part of various conspiracy theories, the most persistent of which is that they're trying to create a one-world government dubbed as the New World Order. It states that behind the scenes the Rockefellers have conspired with other powerful leaders to create a unified society. They also created the Trilateral Commission and the Bilderberg Group, which involves a lot of heavyweights in the world of politics, finance, and business all over the world. Theorists also say the Rockefellers control the American money inside the Federal Reserve and that they are in cahoots with the other prominent financial companies like the Rothschild family, Goldman Sachs, Lehman's, and many more. They also point to the Rockefellers' possible ties to the Bank for International Settlements and Ball, Switzerland. It's essentially a bank that serves as a bank for other central banks. The first president that served in this central bank was Gates McGarra, who was the former president of Chase Manhattan and Chase National Bank, as well as the Federal Reserve. Other conspiracies say that they're using their donations and other medical charity institutions as an effort of controlling the medical sector and keeping it in the Big Pharma territory instead of allowing alternative medication to push through. For 9-11 truthers, many say this family was part of who planned the tragedy. It allowed the U.S. to enter into a perpetual state of war against an enemy that spans several countries and has no defined borders. More recently, David Rockefeller, the last of the prominent members of the family, died in 2016. Even though the wealth of the Rockefellers has supposedly declined over the years, they are still considered an extremely powerful family, and so it's quite possible they've been pulling the strings of the world, pushing it toward whatever direction will most benefit themselves. Number 2. David Koresh Born on August 17, 1959, Vernon Wayne Howell, also known as David Koresh, served as the leader of a cult-like sect who called themselves the Branch Davidians. In 1993, Koresh led a 51-day standoff against the ATF and FBI when the bureaus issued search warrants against the sect on suspicion of illegal hoarding of firearms. David was raised by his grandparents in Texas and attended the Seventh-Day Adventist Church. During his senior year, he dropped out to become a carpenter before moving to Los Angeles trying to make it as a rock star. When he moved back to Texas, he was kicked out of his church when he tried to pursue the pastor's daughter. By 1982, he moved to Waco and joined the Branch Davidians, founded by a man named Ben Roden. Rodin studied under Victor Hotef, who was the leader of the original Davidian Seventh day Adventist group. Koresh ended up moving to that compound in Mount Carmel and ended up having an affair with Rodin's wife, Louis, after Ben died. Then, Koresh and Rodin's son, George, would often argue over who would be the rightful leader of the sect. This culminated in George forcing Koresh and his followers off the Mount Carmel property at gunpoint. For the next two years, David and his people lived in Palestine, Texas, in various tents and buses. By 1987, George wanted to settle the matter once and for all, challenging Koresh to a match of summoning the dead. Supposedly, George went as far as exhuming a corpse for this. Koresh then reported this illegal activity to the police, but was told he needed proof. So together, with seven of his followers, they went to Mount Carmel to secure photographic evidence, and that's when a gunfight broke out between the two men. Caress shot George and he was tried for attempted murder, but acquitted. Later on, George himself was sent to a mental institution, then jailed for killing another rival who claimed he was the true messiah. David now moved back in to Mount Carmel, where he was free to do as he pleased. In 1990, he legally filed to have his name changed to David Koresh, citing publicity and business purposes. He then put spiritual weddings into practice, where he was allowed to have multiple wives and any woman in the congregation, even if they were underage. As the leader, he claimed he had cracked the seven seals indicated in the book of Revelation. It was here that he announced that God wanted the Davidians to create an army of God leading them to stockpile on various weapons. Soon a chief deputy of the McLennan County Sheriff's Department informed the ATF that a UPS representative had called him reporting possible weapons in the Mount Carmel compound. The driver described that a package had broken during delivery, and he saw various firearms including inert grenade casings as well as black powder. The following month a formal investigation was opened, the ATF agents tried to speak with Koresh but were unable to, so they set up surveillance instead. After a thorough research on the gun acquisitions, it was found the Davidians bought all of them legally, and this included semi-automatic weapons. The warrant, however, was specifically released on the basis they could be purchasing guns legally, but then illegally modifying them since automatic gunfire from a machine gun was heard from neighbors. So on February 28, 1993, the ATF raided the compound. Even though Koresh was aware it was coming ahead of time, everyone chose to stay, and he told his followers to arm up and take defensive positions. A four-hour gunfight ensued between the two groups, resulting in the deaths of four ATF agents and several Branch Davidian members. Even when a ceasefire was reached, Koresh and the members refused to leave their land. Then the FBI took over the operation. At first, negotiators convinced him to let the people inside, particularly the children, leave. He let several of them go but refused to surrender. Those that remained inside said they weren't hostages but stayed on their own free will. After almost two months, the situation was getting tired. On April 19, 1993. The President gave Attorney General Janet Reno the signal that she could launch a tear gas attack, hoping to force everyone out. The Branch Davidians retaliated with gunfire, and the FBI responded with pumping massive amounts of tear gas into the buildings. At some point, a fire broke out, the origins of which are still disputed, but there's no dispute that fuel was poured around the complex by someone inside, causing it to intensify very quickly. Barricaded in the church building was David Koresh along with 80 other members, 22 of which were under the age of 17, and most of them died in the fire. During the autopsy, even though the FBI did not fire weapons that day, 20 people and 5 children were found shot, and one 3-year-old stabbed to death. Koresh was found with a gunshot wound to his head, likely inflicted by his right-hand man, Before he turned the gun on himself and then committed suicide. So there were two of the most mysterious and strange stories around. The world can be a crazy place, and twisted twos is sure to show you why. If you enjoyed this video, then please remember to subscribe to our channel. We have many new scary mysteries videos every single week that we know you'll love. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next week.